Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we're taking a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my man who loves the mid-1950s. Palmer, how are you today? Uh, love is a strong word. A man who Watched is aware movies? of the 1950s. I'm aware that there were a period in time, or so I'm told. I really went backwards. I went from love to you knew that was a thing at one point. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yes, you're aware. Yes, you watched Happy Days and went, they must have been born in the 50s and maybe just, before that. I just naturally assumed it was the 60s. Um, actually, I don't know when Happy Days takes place. It is the 60s, isn't it? Uh, it was around the time of Elvis, so 50s. 50s. It was yeah. the 50s then. Ah, I was right. It's the cars. Yeah. You can usually where, tell. Where they had malts. Right. Yeah. They had malts, but not malls. No. So, it's weird. It is. What a weird world. And uh, there was an Asian guy named Al. Remember, it was yeah. Mr. Miyagi. Oh, yeah, that's, it was Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, wasn't he took. It? Yeah, he took over for the guy with the big nose. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, I used to watch Happy Days a lot. I should watch it again. No, you probably shouldn't. No, probably not. It, nostalgia, will, nostalgia will sit. Yeah. where it is. If you're gonna watch something with Tom Bosley, watch uh, that detective show he did where, where he was like a priest, priest or something and he's solving murders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. And he teamed up with Andrew Lansbury once, I think. Yep. Yeah, I, Father Priest murders or something. Father Brown. No. No, Father... Ooh, that's going to bug me. No, that's not even it. No, it's not. I know it's not <laughs> Father Brown, but that's okay. Anyway, we are we are here to talk about the 1955 Best Picture nominees. They are as follows. On the Waterfront, Three Coins in the Fountain, The Country Girl, The Cane Mutiny, and Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Palmer, what fairly obviously won Best Picture? I'm sorry, what was the question? Um, what is... Uh, the speeding velocity of a swallow. German? No, that is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Germany? Um, the answer is on the waterfront. Uh, I, was, I was trying to find the Tom Bosley show oh. and say that as the winner, oh. and it failed miserably. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> you should have been like, Christmas truce, we stalemate until I... I Yours, find. mine, ours. Yeah. <laughs> no, nope, that's not it. Aww. Do you want me to really wait for you until we get into the 1955 Best Picture nominees? Nope, go ahead. Okay, um, so On the Waterfront run, one, so we are going to do that film yes. last. We are going to start with Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, directed by Stanley Dolan, written by Albert Hackett, Francis Goodrich, Goodrich Dorothy Kingsley, based on the story The Sobbin' Women by Vince, uh, Stephen Vincent Bennett. Father Dowling Mysteries. That's it, Father Dowling. Thank you. Wow, that's not even the name I thought it was. No, me either. What show was I thinking? <laughs> I'm not sure, but at least we both knew what we were talking yeah. about vaguely. Did you catch the name of this original story, or were you scrolling? Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, based on the story. Wait, the, the original s- name wasn't na- named the, that? The original name was The Sobbin' Women. Oh, yeah, that makes... I mean, both of these titles are kind of on the nose. <laughs> They're very on the nose. Um, starring a lot of people, but the main leads are well, Jane Powell. Well, seven, at least 14 people. Exactly. So, the, But the main leads are Jane Powell and ha- Jane Powell and Howard Keel. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, Screenplay, Color Cinematography, and Editing. It won Best Music. Okay. Yeah. 
which is fine. Um, it's uh, the plot is in 1950 Oregon when a backwards man brings uh, when a backwoods not backwards. Uh-huh. Well, can't he read. is kind of backwards. I can't read my own typing. Backwoods man brings a wife home to his farm. His six brothers decide they also want to get married. You know, that sounds like a lovely movie. You know, it sure does, doesn't it? You know what also sounds That's... like a lovely movie? The first ten minutes of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a really lovely, non-problematic movie. And I really wish that's the movie we got. You know what? But it sure wasn't. Nope, not even remotely. I would, and I would say, like, not the first ten minutes. Like, once he leaves the convenience store and he goes into the first song... That period of time is fine. Yes, but like when right. he first goes into the convenience store at the beginning, he's like, I brought stuff to trade for a wife. Yep. And you're like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> oh, oh boy, it's going to be one of those movies. Yeah. And that's not even the worst part. No, it, this movie was so strange. It's basically like, it's it. this whole movie is about objectifying women and treating them as objects and as just things to have in the house because somebody else has them but they all sing and dance about it with bright colors and they do the <laughs> the Michael Kid which yeah. as my wife pointed out is one of the things that Robin Williams does in the Birdcage when yeah. he like does his big choreography thing like Madonna right. Madonna Michael Kid is a direct reference to this right. movie um yeah and I mean this essentially this entire movie is like Stockholm effect the movie. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, you know, it's funny that you say that because the the opening scene is is fine. It, it's, well, it's, so, well, the opening scene is him strolling through the town, and it's basically his provincial life scene from Beauty and the Beast, where he's like, "I want more than what I have. I also want a wife." No, that's after. That's after the opening scene. The opening scene is literally him in the. No, in I mean the, the opening song, store. not the, not the, right. not the yeah. sorry, the the opening song. But that's that's basically like Beauty and the Beast, which is also kind of Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> through this, right? But this is Beauty and the Beast through the eyes of Gaston. Yeah, that's it's like if it's like if if Bell had just said yes, right? That because was, that's essentially what happens. Like she's she out milking a cow, castle. and he's like, "You there." marry me and person she, i've never met and she's, and she's like yeah sure sure no problem she's like well i am getting old at 31 <laughs> no she was like 20 i think i think she was in her i think she was 30 or something which no is she like definitely big... was not otherwise she wouldn't be in this movie no <laughs> well i think she was supposed to be anyway because right. they were like everyone was like you should get married have a boy she's like i did i picked one and everyone's like okay i guess you picked one <laughs> i guess you got married yeah and then she they like he's like okay let's go back to my lodge 12 miles away or whatever and then they show up and then they're like oh he's like by the way i have brothers and she's like i feel lied to I, <laughs> you never told me about this during our courting days our, our 12 <laughs> mile journey to your home you never told me you you have brothers. Right. You know, I told you about my family. Actually, you didn't. Well, I could have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that All of that being said, I kind of enjoyed the music, and I enjoyed the matte paintings. The, the music and the dancing is good, and I wish it had been in a less problematic movie. Sure. Sure. Like, don't get me wrong. If, if all it was was what we've said so far mm-hmm. and her kind of coming to terms with marrying this person. He just, that she, that just appeared out of thin air. Yeah. I would also be okay with this movie. It's towards the middle 
when they when the brothers go into town and then kidnap six women because there's a mountain pass that becomes like the shining becomes impassable during the winter this is essentially shining the musical oh man i want to actually see shining the musical oh. and they're like you can't escape us you can't escape us during the winter so naturally you'll marry us which is actually what happens and it like it hurts my brain so much yep mm-hmm. um so yeah this this is a lot of problems with this movie but the singing and dancing isn't one of them. No, and I, I think we find that a lot about a lot of musicals. Like most, of, I think it's it's funny. Actually, I was thinking about this when I was watching the movie. When we'll, we watch modern musicals, and we'll say like like thoroughly modern Millie. Sure, yeah, actually, sure. Why not? I was thinking <laughs> like it's not modern anymore. It's twenty years old, but Moulin Rouge or <laughs> well, this one has modern in the title. So. It does. Well, what I was thinking about all of these things is that. Um, we'll watch it and go, this story isn't problematic, but maybe the people in who are cast are maybe not the best singers or they're like the names but not the talent or something like that. That definitely it, is not Moulin Rouge. That movie is perfect. No, Moulin Rouge was actually a, a bad example. Yes. It was actually a bad example of that. And I am struggling to think of That's one. because some musicals they, nowadays are done pretty well. Yeah, there was an era after Moulin Rouge when they really weren't. They were well, Chicago. like... Chicago. Chicago won the next year. Chicago was excellent, though. Okay, but actually, so I actually will back it up on that. So so let's do Chicago. Richard Gere does a good job as Billy Flynn, but he's not really a singer, right? And so, and so he's kind of just talking. Yeah, he's like the he's the name guy, and they like learn to tap dance for the tap dance heavy, which is good part. So good for him and all that stuff. So, but anyway, my point being, like the people in this movie are. Musically talented, they are gifted. They are excellent. When well, yeah, it comes this is the, that. this is the fifties where like, like just being in showbiz kind of meant you had to have these ranges because this is this is kind of like the style of movies at the time. Well, it's I'm not it saying is, every movie was a musical, but no, most of the people it's, were it's, in musicals it's, too. It's certainly it's cert- well. This is you're. This is a little post golden age of Hollywood, but you're talking like each studio made their particular genres of movies. Right. So like MGM made musicals. That's what they did. And so um so but I, I'm I'm thinking more like they would pump out those stories and those musicals and they'd be like, Story doesn't matter, whatever, it's weird. <laughs> and so now we, we spend more care on the story of the musical a lot of the time, but we, we don't necessarily actually like put so much spin on the musicians themselves right um and so but anyway that's just why my well i mean it's weird because around that time you have like look at the musicals from the 50s from that era so let's say the 40s through the 60s that are kind of still around um oklahoma was that what what uh, oklahoma Oklahoma was was the 50s yep the Um, first modern musical oklahoma yeah Mm -hmm. so you had these you still had these musicals that you're right. Probably, like, I couldn't tell you the story of Oklahoma. Nope. It's probably something about Missouri. To be fair, I honestly couldn't tell you any of the music about Oklahoma except the one that I saw um, at the Tonys this year. What? Are you sh- really? Yeah. Oh, what a I've never morning, seen Oklahoma. Missouri with a fringe on top? Huh? Nope. Never. Those are the OG songs I know. I've never seen Oklahoma except for the, the Tony Awards this year mm-hmm. um, where the girl from Glee won. 
um, not Leah Michelle. No, she was in like the later season. She's the one in the wheelchair. I don't like in real life. She's also in a wheelchair. Like oh. it, it's, mm, I don't know. After I it's stopped amazing, like what We're, she can do. We've tangented because there's nothing else to say about this. So yeah, can we do fun facts. Sure, why not? Yeah, MGM considered this a B picture. It had higher aspirations for the for the more expensive Brigadoon. For this reason, the studio slashed the budget, forcing Stanley uh, Donan to use painted backdrops instead of filming on location. But you know what? Good it, call, MGM. It worked. It was. Yeah, it was I really, really like nice. those. I really like matte paintings. I do too. Lost art, although yeah. it's kind of making a comeback. Digital paintings, but they're yeah, do, but digital. They're yeah, digital's it's horrible. I know, but they're doing this thing where they like literally will like clip the digital screen, on like they would a matte painting, except right. that it's digital. It's, it's interesting. It's a yeah. new way of doing green screen. I guess so. The senses weren't too happy about the line in the song "Lonesome Polecat." Where the brothers lament a man a man can't sleep when he sleeps with sheep by not only sh- by not showing any sheep in the same shot as the brothers the filmmakers were able to get away with it. I thought that was a weird line too. That's, that's weird. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of weird in this movie. In the 2004 DVD commentary, Stanley Donan claims that there are two versions made of the film. One in CinemaScope and another in the standard screen ratio of the day. Each scene shot in CinemaScope had to be reshot for the standard version. This was out of MGM's concern that not all theaters had the equipment to screen films in CinemaScope. Although the standard version was more expensive for the cinema than the CinemaScope version, it was never released theatrically. However, it did play on Turner Classic Movies in the late 1990s and is featured as a special feature on the 2004 DVD. Yeah, that's very interesting. You're a B movie, so shoot this stuff twice. I, By the way, we're slashing your budget. Yeah, that's so that that part's <laughs> odd. But I mean, some of the most famous movies in Hollywood were B movies. Casablanca is a B movie, just it because was, it has B in the title doesn't. <laughs> Casablanca was considered a, a cheap, like throwaway, like whatever, whatever yeah. we make on it kind of movie. And yeah, same thing with uh, Titanic. Yeah, yeah, that real cheap. Yep. Yeah, throwaway movie. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, CinemaScope means that they filmed in a really wide aspect ratio. So right. the screen, like you cover tons of, of room, like it's really wide lens. So it's 235.1. Um, so it's as basically as wide as you get on screen before you get to IMAX. So now, because like aspect ratios are really, are really stuff that I know of, mm-hmm. but don't know a lot about technically. Mm-hmm. So CinemaScope is wider than the widescreen letterbox format. That's that's pretty much the yes, standard today. So the standard today is 185. Okay. And CinemaScope is 235. So it's like much wider. So were movie theater screens back then wider or uh, the black bars are more pronounced so the like that's like on a regular screen like so like let's say you're watching at not home. a not a tv i'm talking if you're if you see this oh, in the I movie see. theater well i think that was part of what they worried about is that the projectors couldn't handle the like formatting the 235 for the screen that was available to them but i don't think you didn't need a bigger screen okay um because i know nowadays like when like we've seen stuff by um did Christopher Nolan have a movie this past year? Dunkirk. Uh, no, uh, Dunkirk was previous year. That was his last one. Maybe it was Dunkirk. There was a movie that was made by a pretty decent 
uh, filmmaker in the past two years where I like they shot in different aspect ratios the entire movie like because you you shoot something specific for IMAX on IMAX cameras. I'm pretty sure that was Christopher Nolan and Dunkirk. And the one thing I didn't like was when I started noticing it. Mm. Because if you go to the theater, it it jumps from like full screen on the theater to then black bars on the side. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, what the hell are we doing? Like, it takes me out of the movie. I don't... Well, that it's very uncommon to switch your aspect ratios in a movie. Um, well, a lot of movies aren't fully shot on IMAX. A lot of, that's right. A lot of action movies nowadays shoot their action sequences on IMAX. Right, but nothing um, so else. So it might actually... You know what? It might have been Mission Impossible. Ooh. Oh, that's, that's, that is possible. Yeah. I know one for sure that does switch is a movie that you don't like, but it's my only example is Grand Budapest Hotel because it takes place in three time periods. Yeah. And so every time it go every it'll it goes to the present at one eighty five and then it goes into slightly the past to like one sixteen or whatever and then it, it truncates backwards so it's, it uses the aspect ratio of the day yeah. based on the time period that it's in. But because you spend so much time in one time period you don't really notice. Yeah, this one was more time. like it didn't like jump back and forth like every scene, but it jumped back and forth a couple times in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I've really only ever noticed it on like a movie theater screen. Like at home, they seem to. At home, you're probably noticing it because the this um, your TV is like a different. Well, one it's definitely a different size. It's smaller, but right. but it's not the same dimensions, and so just you know smaller or whatever. So I wonder if that's why you notice it because when they shoot on IMAX and don't shoot like you don't really notice it on an IMAX screen, but you may notice it. In a regular movie theater, yeah, because the black bar, like what, where the black bars would be, would be gone versus something like exactly. that. Exactly. Like I'm not used to black bars in a movie theater. I'm used to it at home with widescreen. Even with like widescreen TVs now, mm-hmm. the I will say like someone, my father who used to love widescreen hates it now, and mm-hmm. because he notices the black bars more. And I'm like, this is what I was complaining about, like when this first became a thing. Yeah. But I found with TVs nowadays that are formatted wider. That's right. That when you're watching a movie at home with like low lighting or or no lighting near the TV, mm-hmm. just the shape of the TV alone, the black bars kind of melt away because of the darkness. Yeah, I, I, mine doesn't do. Mine's formatted that I don't. I rarely get black bars unless I'm watching something in like if I'm watching Lawrence of Arabia in Cinemascope. Yeah, then I will. I will get them because you have to shrink it to widen it. Right. So anyway, that's our ratio. Yep. That's our ratio talk today. I love ratios. I think it's real interesting because it, it can be. It changes the mood of a piece and and what you're aiming to get how close and connected you feel to the characters because cinemascope you're so far away from them most of the time that you don't get close-ups or extreme close-ups or anything like that i want like i don't know i love cinemascope i also love technicolor like i these love are, technicolor. like these are the things from the 1950s that i wish were still around i love technicolor i still think the red shoes is one of the best movies that we've watched in this whole thing it's they just were green on my tv well i think your tv's broken yeah could be it's very possible let's move on to the Kane mutiny directed by uh edward dimitrick written by stanley roberts michael Blankfort, based on the novel by Herman Wouk, 
starring Humphrey Bogart, Jose Fur, Van Johnson, and Tom Tully. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Acting from Humphrey Bogart, Supporting Actor from Tom Tully, Writing, Sound, Editing, Music, and uh, Music Scoring of a Dramatic or Comedic Picture. This movie won zero awards. That's sad. There was no special effects award at this time. There was also no canes. That's mm, interesting. And very little mutiny. Yeah, the very little mutiny. That cane, cane, uh, cane. I won't give you mutiny. I'll give you. Um, but uh, when a U.S. Navy, when a U.S. Navy captain shows signs of mental instability that jeopardizes the ship, the first officer relieves him of command and faces court-martial for mutiny. On the bounty. Oh no, that movie was so good. We have to watch it again too. A different version, I would imagine. Yeah, Marlon Brando. Ooh. It's on Netflix and it keeps showing up like under my recommended things. And every this. time I'm like, I want to watch it, but it's like it's like three hours, which is fine. But I'm like, I have to watch this again in like a you know, a season or two, which for us is like less than a year. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I wanna watch it. I just don't want to have to go back and rewatch it. I mean we can I if you if you wanna watch it that bad, we can no, we can do an episode out of order. No, we've like done if it's next season. We've we can... done episodes out of order, and it throws me off when you start reading stuff that I've already seen. I'm like, no, we already did this episode. What are you talking about? And yeah, and no, no, we didn't. <laughs> but now there's not because we have not watched movies for the 40s or the 30s yet. Right. So we're we're okay. We're back on track, baby. Yay. Anyway, the Kane Mutiny. It was a movie that happened, and I watched it. It was pretty good. I didn't love it. Okay. I thought. I thought. I didn't think that Humphrey's quote unquote mental instability was so bad that merited a mutiny. They were like, he really likes looking at his watch. We should mutiny. Um Okay, I'm willing to hear this argument. But you're kind of glossing over when he was like somebody made a wax copy of a key and stole all the ice cream. Like that's a thing he also thought happened. That I will give you. I will give you that one. I think, and I think it's then that they kind of like, look, he's he's crazy. So, like, that was kind of in their mind at that point. Like, you know, we don't like him. So, now we think he's cra- too crazy to actually be a captain. He's crazy. So, at the first opportunity... We're going to leave him of command. Mm. Like, I think that's when they made it up because that's also what leads them to go to the um, go to the admiral's ship. Yep. And then they're like, well, we don't actually have enough evidence. We need to mm-hmm. we need to uh, back out of here. Um, that being said, the movie's fine. It's decent enough. It's not it's not hugely boring. It comes in under two hours. So. It's not. Most of these came in. I think yeah. Every, I think all, one. all of them came in under two hours. Yeah. Guess what? Um, the 40s, yeah. all over two hours. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so that, it was fine enough, but I think I I like Humphrey Bogart as the captain, and I think it has one of his best scenes that I've seen him do um, in the courtroom scene where mm-hmm. he kind of becomes unhinged. You're talking about Bogart, like, yeah. In general, as an actor, one of as an actor, scenes. one of the one of the better scenes that I've seen him in. I haven't seen a lot of his like I haven't seen all of his movies. I've seen African Queen. I've seen Casablanca. I saw the one that we saw like Dead End or something a couple yep a couple seasons I liked ago. That, one. that was a great set, if I uh, recall. 
Yeah, it was literally like the the dead end of like a of a New York alley yeah, yeah, street. With the harbor, right? Yeah, there. yeah, that one was. I, I liked that yeah. movie. Um, so I think he does a really good job as the captain, especially in that scene. Like that scene is what gives him the nomination. So I mean, and it's good. It's not as good as Mutiny on the Bounty. No, no, but I. It's a very different movie than Mutiny on the Bounty. I guess if you're comparing movies with mutinies in them, yeah. then I... I think this is supposed to be like... Because even the guy that's representing the the first mate who who caused the mutiny in the court-martial, like, initially he comes in and is like, look, I took the case because you should have a defense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if it were me... I would hang you all for treason. Yeah. It was like, great. And you're our lawyer. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then he kind of goes on and he he builds the case to get him off. And then he shows up drunk at the party and is like, no, you shouldn't have been. You shouldn't have been set free. He And he doesn't even blame the first mate. He blames the other guy mm-hmm. who wasn't on trial. Sure. He's like, he's the one who should have been tried for mutiny or tried for treason. So this, I think this movie is based solely on how you view the situation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I will. I will concede to that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say on it, though. So if you'd like to do your fun sure. facts, there was considerable opposition to the casting of Humphrey Bogart since he was much older than Captain Quig was supposed to be. In addition, Bogart was already seriously ill with esophageal cancer although it would not be diagnosed until January of 56. Oh. Oh. The white cream that the officers put on their faces during the combat is anti-flash cream and was designed to protect their faces from skin burns from explosions. Hmm. The scene in which Merrick dives into the water to attach a rope to the adrift sweep gear nearly proved fatal for Van Johnson. He did not use a stunt double and performed the entire swim sequence himself. While he was in the water, a shark was spotted approaching him, but was quickly shot by a Navy sharpshooter. As the water really did contain many sharks, the Navy had placed an armed sailors and lookouts near the production crew during the filming of the scene for just such a contingency. Well, that is actually... Yeah, really almost turned into Jaws. Yeah, that's actually intense. <laughs> that's really intense. I'm also, like, in my mind, I'm picturing, like, Van Johnson not even knowing. Like, he comes back and they're like, dude, uh, you almost got eaten by a shark. <laughs> <laughs> and then the director's like, uh, we need to do another take. And Van Johnson's like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Yep. I'm not doing that. Um, all right, let's... Let's move on to... Let's ease on down the road, as it were. Ease on down, ease on down to the country girl. Directed by country girl, directed by George Seaton, written by Clifford Odets and George Seaton, starring Bing Crosby. And George Seaton? No. Oh. Grace Kelly, Bing Crosby, and William Holden. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Crosby, Director, Cinematography for Black and White Film, Art Direction for Black and White Film, and the movie won Best Actress for Grace Kelly. The plot revolves around a director hiring alcoholic has-been, Ben Crosby, and strikes up a stormy relationship with the actor's wife, who he believes is the cause of all the man's problems, because... Because of gaslighting. Because 1954. Okay. All right, you take it away first, because 
I I'm very curious what you think about this movie. I like it. Um, I think Bing Crosby does a really good job at playing this character who, to me, is different than characters I've seen him play. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, most of the time, is he the one that we always see as a priest? Yeah, Bing Crosby. Yeah, he plays that character multiple times. Right, because he's no, a Catholic. No, you're thinking of, he hasn't been in a movie in a few years um, that, on the show. Um, you're thinking of... Oh gosh! Guess who's coming to dinner? The boys' town. He wasn't a priest in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. No, I know, but it's that it's that actor. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, man, he's... I'm, I'm in 1954 mode, so my yeah. mind's not working the way it should be. 1955 mode. Yeah, but this movie came out in 1954. Right. Um, so I really like his Spencer Tracy. Thank you. I really like um, his acting in this. And I think this movie is really well acted across the board, even though there's really only like three actors mm-hmm. uh, in this movie. But the story is just so weird. And Explain. when you think you have a handle on it, it's like now it's something different. So you originally think this actor is kind of an alcoholic because of because he was kind of an alcoholic to begin with. Mm-hmm. But then his his son dies in an accident that he feels responsible for. That's right. And so you feel like, well, that's kind of what caused him to downward spiral into a full-blown alcoholism. Mm-hmm. No. 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 That's not the case. It's just that he uses that to, as, an excuse. To, as an excuse to not have to have any responsibility for his actions. That is correct. And then he blames his wife... But then also, For also William, perpetuating it. But William Holden also blames his wife. Well, that's because Bing Crosby does. Like he, so he knows Bing Crosby. He doesn't really know the wife, right? So he's taking his old friend's side or word. Yeah, well, so, they're not really friends, but they like certainly like. Well, I guess well they, they worked together friends. before. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so then William Holden goes after the wife and try, tries to really like take her out of the picture because he feels like with her around, it's going to perpetuate his drinking. Because she'll constantly remind him of all, like all his screw ups, mm-hmm. and that's not the case. And then we find out William Holden is in love with the wife. Yep. Because they randomly kiss, and then my head exploded. And I'm assuming the movie ends at some point. But then I just started thinking of, um, I just started making up the rest of the movie in my head to Alice oh, in Wonderland. Oh no! But the end, <laughs> the end. Well, they're all mad there. So, um, so, so, but the end. It, is like is even slightly more mind boggling because he's like I can't well, Ben Crosby's like I can't I can't do it like I can't I can't I can't I can't go out there. What is he turning foghorn leghorn? No, he's maybe I can't go out there. It's Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I can't, but I'll stay right here and read these letters. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, um. I, so he's like he's like just okay in this part because they show you in in the part and you're like. This is the most boring Bing Crosby's ever been. Well, I mean, and on the, purpose. The uh, didn't sound like the uh, the play they were doing was a uh, riveting. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, twist. It was Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, so he doesn't get good reviews and like all this stuff. So then, but like, but then for well, the previews. But, but the, yeah, I know. But then William Holden in Boston, mind you. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, and but then William Holden is like, "Don't worry, we'll fix it." But also, 
I love your wife, and she has to choose between the two of us like Solomon's baby. And I'm like, okay. And Grace Kelly's like, yeah, okay, I must do that. Who actually I think Grace Kelly is is excellent in this film, but she's good in everything. I think, Like I said, I think all three of these actors are yeah, really good Crosby, in this. They like, really stretched his muscles, and he really went for it. And I don't think – I kind of liked the movie at the end, even though like I didn't even know how I felt about it even at the end. But because I think the performances are so strong, they weirdly like – cover what this movie is about yeah. and how strange it is. I really want people to see this movie just to hear their reactions to this movie. Because, yeah, like, I I like the movie. That's right. I, want I don't people... like the subject of the movie. No, I don't either. But movies aren't always supposed to leave you with a feeling of goodness or, like, I don't agree with any of them and they're all terrible in their own way, I guess. But the movie doesn't... The movie kind of lets you choose like who's the least terrible if that makes sense mm. and like it doesn't it doesn't give you a in a way it doesn't give you a satisfactory ending because it leaves you on kind of a cliffhanger on like oh does like will Bing Crosby go back to his wife or will she go off with William Holden and right. like it's very strange but it's like again Find out with in seven, Country Girl 2 the search for more country yep. yeah the, the, <laughs> <laughs> what's the um what's the what's the city slickers to tag uh the ser- the search for curly's gold yeah that's it yeah absolutely like, country <laughs> girl to the search for curly's gold um yeah i just yeah yeah i yeah. want people to watch it because i want other people i want to talk about this movie with other people who have seen it <laughs> i think that's it and i'm like but but like but the people plus the performances are strong and it's and it, it's pretty and it's a pretty quick watch you know, whenever we go to the P pack now, I just want to bring DVD copies of this movie and just start handing it out. Like the we can start like tonight. right after the people who hand out the programs. Yeah, like oh, like here's a program and for, here's Country Girl. Thank you for coming to Fiddler on the Roof. Here's Country Girl. Here's Fiddler on the Roof. Country Girl. Fiddler on the Roof. Country Girl. Yeah, very good. That's the Providence Performing Arts Center for those who don't live anywhere close to us. Yeah, you like the P pack. I'm like, oh, that very specific that name that like, yeah. The Pinkerton? What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. Anyway. All right. Grace Kelly won her only Oscar for her role in this movie, beating out Judy Garland, the sentimental favorite, in the closest Best Actress race in Academy history besides the Barbara Streisand and Katherine Hepburn tie in 1968. A reported six votes were all that separated the cinematic legends. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Bing Crosby initially turned down the role of Frank as he didn't want to play opposite what he considered... A lesser actress. <laughs> Grace Kelly's Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress for Mogambo in 1953 helped change his mind, and he was quickly won over by her dedication and professionalism during the making of The Country Girl. Yeah, you know, the whenever I do these uh, fun facts about Bing Crosby... The more you hear, the, <laughs> the more I'm like, like, oh, Bing Crosby, you kind of suck as a human being. Yeah. For his big drunk scene, Bing Crosby had his son... Dennis and brother Philip keep him up all night so that he would look suitably worn out. Ironically, the day the scene was shot was the day that Crosby's mother showed up to watch filming. She was so horrified by his appearance that she stormed out. Well, that explains a lot about Bing Crosby. Yeah. In that moment. A lot's happening there. Yeah. Oh, man. What a life. All right. Let's move on to three coins 
in the fountain. Three coins in the fountain. Paul, we are flying through this episode. So yeah. Funny. Three coins in Which the fountain. Which is weird, because it seems like we actually spent uh, a good amount of time talking about something. No, we, but we didn't. Um, anyway, three coins in the fountain. Jean Neglesco, uh, director, written by John Patrick, based on the novel by Gene Secondary, or Jean Secondary. Um <laughs> Starring Clifton Webb, Dorothy McGuire, and Gene Peters, amongst a few others. Nominated for Best Picture, it won music, an original song, and color cinematography, which is basically all this movie is. It's beautiful shots of Italy. It's just like, look, it's Italy, everyone. Also, stuff's happening. Um, it's another movie that twists. <laughs> like, hold on, I'll do the, hold on, I'll do the plot first. Yep. Uh, three American women working in Rome, Italy, share a spacious apartment and the desire to find love and marriage, each experiencing love a... Love and marriage, love and marriage. Throw the coin in the fountain. Didn't Anyway, <laughs> each experiencing a few bumps in their journeys to romance. All right, go ahead. Say what you were going to say. Say what you mean to say. The beginning three minutes of this movie, which is just a music video of Frank Sinatra singing the song for this movie Mm -hmm. is just weird. Like it started and then it went to black and then it came up with the title and I'm like, it's a weird way to start this movie. That's how they won original song. (laughs) What was the actual song? Was it love and marriage? Uh, No, it was three coins in a fountain. That was the actual name of the song. Okay. Uh, Love and marriage was also by Frank Sinatra and that was married with children. Yeah. That's why I got, that's why I got really confused. I was (laughs) like, I didn't realize that married with children took that song from three coins in a fountain. No. Because I said, I watched this movie about a month ago and I don't remember tons. I just remember the twist. Like where one of one of them was like in love with her boss. That then, wasn't a twist. And then no, but no, 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 that's not the twist. But then he's like, "Yeah, let's get married." And then he's like, "I'm dying." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh man, twist! I'm on board now." <laughs> that's it's like three. Oh my god, of the way through the movie. Oh my and, god, this movie just got interesting. The end. Son of a. <laughs> that's kind of how I felt. Like it. Like I was like, okay, it's doing some stuff. It's doing some stuff. It's doing some stuff. It's very pretty, doing some stuff. And then he's like, I have cancer. And I'm like, I'm on board. Yep. <laughs> like, this got really interesting. This is like the You've Got Mail of the day. Like, yeah. You've Got Mail will never get nominated for Best Picture. Considering it came out in 1996, I would be surprised if it did. Right. But, like, these movies don't typically get nominated for Best Picture. Like, this is a... This is essentially rom-com. Like, right. this is 50s rom-com. I agree, but it's 50s rom-com with a twist. He's sad because he's dying. And then... It's <laughs> not why it gets nominated. I think I honestly... <laughs> like, think like, the, like, the entire Academy there is like, wow, he's dying. We should dominate this movie. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's what happened. <laughs> like, uh, but I but I, I, I think it, it's there because, look, it's Rome. It's like you're there because Cinemascope. Right. And... and because it is very pretty, and I, I, I really think that's I think that's really where it sits. Where people are like, okay, there's not because you notice that there's no like screenplay nominations here, you know, <laughs> no acting nominations, no screenplay. Well, I have a I have a theory behind the lack of screenplay nominations. Mm-hmm. This movie is very segmented. Yes, it is. It's like little vignettes of love. Yeah, like they each follow each secretary. For a given period of time, kind of give you 97% of their story. 
then move on to the next one, mm-hmm. give you 90%, 7% of their story, move on to the next one, do the same thing. And then the last 3% is like the tie-in at the end where they're like, we all must go to the fountain to find the three men that we were in love with. Yep. Yep. You know, it's like it's like the worst ending to The Bachelor ever. Like, you know the ending. Like, you know who's going to be at the fountain when they go back. I'm actually a little surprised that you're not more up on this movie, considering like that it. it's no, like I'm, a, I'm a just saying. And... I'm just saying that's why it doesn't get nominated for Best uh, because Screenplay. It, because it's because I feel like the story doesn't flow. No, it doesn't. No. And I think maybe that's also why nothing... Truly nothing out of the ordinary happens until that one boss is like, I'm dying, (laughs) you know, and you're like, oh, that's a I didn't expect this movie to go as deep as that. So I think I would have liked either like any three of the love stories solo-y. Okay. Um, Or at least the at least the boss that's dying uh, story and then the story where the girl like does the guy thing of like finding everything mm. the person likes and pretending to like it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the conversation uh, he has with his friend where he's like, can you believe she pretended to like stuff you liked? How dare she? <laughs> like it was I, I didn't enjoy like that. he was also like he was doing it in absurdum. Um, to show him, like, it wasn't that bad. Because, mm-hmm. like, she's confessing to all this, and he's, like, getting so upset. I'm like, dude, this person pretended to, like, the piccolo for you. That's right. And honestly, that's, like, what everyone does. Yeah. Like, that's what, I mean, like, and eventually you start to be like, oh, you know, like, when I said that, like, I loved, like, death metal, like, right. I tolerate it, you know? Like, does your wife know yet that you hate the harp? No. No. She does now. She does now. That's, no. That, is that the instrument she plays? No. Really? I no. thought... No, she plays the guitar. <laughs> I know she played the guitar, but I thought she also played the harp. No, I play the harp. Yeah, but I thought, like... Because <laughs> you had started, like, you decided to start playing the harp, like, not too long after you two started dating. That's not true at all. You've made that up. No. I, I played the harp in college. Lies. Nope. You never went to college. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Do you list like what? I want to know what my life is like through your eyes because the, uh, everything your you, eyes, everything the light, the heat in your eyes. Why did that not get nominated? That song, that original song. No, probably that original song probably got nominated, but the movie. Say anything. I want to see say anything now. I, I, I gave her my heart, and, and she, she gave, gave me, me a pen. pen. I love that line. Yeah, great line. I thought, yeah. So I thought, like when you started dating, you were like, I've always wanted to learn. The harp. The cello. You oh, the cello. the cello. That's what it was. Okay, I'm back on board. Does um, she play the cello? No, but she wants to because she oh. plays the guitar. Right. So, yeah, I thought I thought she played the cello, and you were like, I've always wanted to learn how to play the cello, so I'm going to – because you, you rented one for a while. Uh, no, I bought one for 100 bucks because there was a guy who was trying – who was selling his brother's practice one. Right. Uh, he didn't want it anymore, and I was like – it's going to cost me that much just to rent it, so right. I'll buy it for $100. No big deal. Yeah, how, how are those cello lessons going? Actually, I was doing pretty well. Um, and then you got married? And then I got married, <laughs> and I ran out of time, actually, <laughs> truthfully. Yeah. Well, I mean, also now you're like an hour away from the place that... That I work, and um, and I'm in grad school, and I have three jobs, and so 
Honestly, uh, now you're just making up excuses. No, I, I don't think I've ever seen and, you work, and I—that's because we don't work together. <laughs> you Even don't, when we did, I come to visit. I come to visit you at your place of work, and you never. <laughs> come and I'm just spinning around in the chair. Yeah, You—I you, have seen you actually do that. I've walked in, and you haven't literally spinning in the chair, yeah. and you're like, "It's Tuesday." Wee! <laughs> no one comes in. Yeah, I get to do all the stuff today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I want to learn. Yeah, but it's—I mean, so yeah. When you're in a relationship, especially at the beginning of a relationship, there's a lot of things that you not necessarily lie about, but you pretend you're interested in to help grow the bond. That's right. It's much like um, my relationship with Lindsey Sterling. I want to learn how to play the violin, so that is something else you know we you can, can bond a, over. That's correct. Right. How's that going? Um, well, it turns out that it takes a lot of practice to learn the violin. It does. And I think we all know I have the attention span of a goldfish. That is correct. So, so like I tried it once. I wasn't, I wasn't a virtuoso. So on to the next thing. (laughs) Uh, That sounds terrible. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Yeah, just break the violin. Yeah. What do you mean it doesn't play? It was a Stradivarius. I have no idea what that is. I don't even know if that is a violin. Oh goodness, man! Uh, I thought of you the other day when I was uh, scrolling through news uh, sites mm-hmm. because um, someone paid because you've not recently, but you've moved in the past year, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, you know, if you need help, let me know." And you're like, "No, I'm paying movers mm-hmm. because they, I'm going to have to pay someone for the piano anyway." That's right. And I read a news story where somebody's uh, antique piano got destroyed by movers, and I'm oh, like, "Oh no. wow!" Thanks. Like it was like a it was like a like a decently antique piano. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Mine's not antique, but it's I, not. I would have been upset. <laughs> I would have gotten over it, but I would have been upset. I mean, isn't that isn't that like one of those things? Like you can that's get one for... of my jobs. I kind of need it, right? But isn't that like one of those things? Like you can get secondhand for relatively inexpensive because most of the time people are like, "There's no way of getting rid of this." That's like... correct. Yeah, a lot of times you can. I mean, mine secondhand. I didn't buy mine. It was my aunt's, but right. She my. My grandmother had bought one, and my aunt was like, I want one, too. Do you play? No. There's somebody in your family that doesn't play the piano? Well, she's dead now, but there was. Well, I mean, prior to that. that like, obviously, she doesn't yeah. play it now, but yeah. even then. That is correct. Wow. Yeah. This... My brother did it. My sister doesn't. Really? Nope. She, my sister can, like, feel her way out when she needs to. Like, she can play chopsticks? A little more than that, yeah. like, to practice, because she's a singer, but right. like, but she's not, like... A pianist, like she That's can't weird. sit and play it at the same time. That's weird. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm finding all these things out about your life. I know. You know what we're not talking about? The, the movies. movies. But I'm fairly certain this is more entertaining. Do you have? I do. This is the first motion picture filmed in CinemaScope outside of the United States. Prior to the beginning principal shooting, 20th Century Fox execs warned producer Sol C. Siegel and director Jean, whatever his last name was that they would have a difficult time with the new film format away from the controlled settings of a studio. Siegel solved this dilemma by simply taking the studio's entire technical crew to Rome. Nice. Yep. Nailed it. After her discovery by Otto Priminger, who introduced her to film audiences in The Moon is Blue, Maggie McNamara was signed by Fox, and The Three Coins in a Fountain was her first film under her new contract. Though her screen debut earned her a Best Picture, a Best Actress nomination, McNamara's star quickly faded. 
This would be a pattern for the majority of leading ladies discovered by Preminger, including Jill Hayworth, Jean Seberg, and Dorothy Danridge, all of whom either committed suicide or died young. That's awful. Yes. John Peters met her future husband. Jean Peters met her future husband, Stuart Kramer III, at a luggage mix-up at the Rome airport when she arrived to make the film. The marriage only lasted a year, and Peters returned to her on-off boyfriend, Howard Hughes, whom she married afterwards. Huh. Wow. Yep. So, in this movie, someone did find love for a short period of time. Howard Hughes. Turns out he was dying. I don't uh, think so, but... Well, aren't we all? Can we do my last movie? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, great. On the Waterfront, directed by Alea Kazan, uh, written by Bud Schubert and Malcolm Johnson, starring Marlon Brando, Lee Cobb, Carl Malden, Rob Ste- Rod Steiger, and Eva Marie Saint. Ava Marie Saint, my apologies. Is she the one that's that is the model for the saint? Yes. She, uh, they based the character off her? Mm-hmm. And yep. Val Kilmer played her in that yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, nominated for supporting actor for supporting actor for Lee Cobb, Carl Malden, Carl Malden, and Rob Steiger, and music for Leonard Bernstein. This movie won Best Picture, Editing, Art Direction, Cinematography for Black and White Film, Writing, Director, Supporting Actress for Eva Marine Saint, and Actor for Marlon Brando. Uh, this movie is about an ex-prize fighter, played by Brando, who turned uh, into a longshoreman, and he struggles to stand up against his corrupt union bosses. Yep. That's the movie. That's the movie. Have you seen On the Waterfront before? I have not seen it On the Waterfront before. Oh, interesting. What did you think of it for the first time? I had seen it before, so I was not shocked I mean, by what I saw. It's standard fare. Like, it cast the union in a different light a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, usually the union is portrayed as being like the sparkly gem for workers. Sure. And... And big business is not, although I guess technically the longshoreman, it, there's no business to really be up against. So you right. then, like, you're unioning against the union almost is, mm-hmm. the, is kind of the basis of this movie. Um, I don't, like, Marlon Brando's fine in it. Yeah, as, He's young. It's certainly yeah. not his, it, I don't think it's his virtuoso performance of, of right. his lifetime. That obviously goes to Jarrell. Um so it does and the planet Krypton. Yep. Um so um I I think I think you may be right there, though he is excellent. I this movie is incredibly atmospheric and I Yes, I really it, felt it, like I was on the waterfront. Indeed you did. And I think in the the lineup of movies that were nominated this year, if we just take a look at these five, mm-hmm. it's very evidently the winner by Academy standards, right? Um, and I I think it like it's, it speaks to a it speaks to a social situation. That's correct. Um, it's well acted, paced, written, edited, like it, somewhat. The overall story is somewhat timeless, which helps. Yes, it does. Yeah, workers. Workers not being treated fairly, whether it by the, their bosses, the union, or whatever, right. and then standing up for what you believe in, and then like having the faith of the people behind you, and then like, do, do I do the right thing? Do I not do the right do thing? You hear the people sing. Yeah, it's all very, it's all very um, classic, right? In, in that way, 
um, with some really strong performances. Obviously, I mean, like By everybody, Carl Malden, everybody Rod Steiger. was nominated. Everybody was nominated in this movie. You there? You are only in one scene. You're nominated for best supporting actor, and you're like excellent. So. And, I mean, Carl Malden, I think, was just terrific. He was, you know, that scene where the second body is lying after it falls down on the, like, through the through the floor and lands on the box, the second guy that's dead. And uh, and he's like, the Carl Malden is like, you can't stay, like, you can't live like this. You got to stand up for something. And the guy throws the fruit at him and he just knocks it off his shoulder without even looking at that's it. That's right. He was the priest. Yeah. And he's like, go back to church. He's like, this is my church. Like, that's great. Like he's, he sells it so yeah. well. Um, and I, I loved it. I want to, I want a team up movie with him and Bing Crosby as that <laughs> other priest, the singing priest. I want, I am your singing Catholic priest. <laughs> a tale of three priests. You have Carl Malden, Spencer, uh, Spencer Tracy and Bing Crosby. <laughs> Make that movie, Hollywood. Uh, yeah. Res- well, I mean, with all these, like, uh, um, CG actors back from the dead yep. thing, um, they could do it. They could. <laughs> they could do it. Uh, and then Rod Steiger as the brother. Mm-hmm. He was the brother, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, this movie's fine. I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite out of the bunch. I found it to be a little bit... I found it to be a little bit boring, Um and uh, kind of preachy. It is preachy. Um, which is, oh, it, it to me, it is a weird kind of preachy. And it's going to be a, a thing that we're going to tie into the fun facts in a little bit. So, Okay. Do you want yeah, to go into those the, fun facts then? Well, we're going to do the fun facts now because I believe there will be some discussion afterwards. Okay. As part of his contract, Marlon Brando only worked till four every day, and then he would leave to go see his analyst. Brando's mother had recently died, and the conflicted young actor was in therapy to resolve issues with his parents. Interestingly, for the film's classic scene between Rod Steiger and Brando in the back of the cab, all of Steiger's close-ups were filmed after Brando had left for the day, so his lines were read by one of the crew members. Steiger remained very bitter about that for many years and often mentioned it in interviews. God, even when he was so young, Brando was such a jerk to work with. He, I mean, like, yeah, he was like doing, I mean, he was taking he was, care of himself and stuff, and that's, right. that's good. But like, like that trend didn't like easy it never to went away. With. Like yeah. he was, he's like the he's like the epitome of um of what do you call it? I don't know when what? you're like really full of yourself. Um. Not humble? Yeah, kind of. But he's the very epitome of, um, like, I'm talented, so you have to deal with everything about me. Hmm. Now, like, I'm the talent. A celebrity. Serve me. He is kind of like celebrity, um, stuck up, um, selfish, self-centered. Yeah, all those words are fine. Yeah, okay, great. Diva, diva, yeah, diva. Yeah. He's a diva. He's a he, he's like one of the original divas, mm-hmm. and but he was so damn talented, right? But I think it was like he was just really good at acting, but I don't think it was ever something he loved to do. Sure, and was... this is just like from taking like all the problems that he's had. On sets, like signing up to do movies and then trying to find ways to not do the movie he signed up for. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Did he do that for this movie? Do you know? Uh, not that I know of. Okay. But like, what was it? Island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah, well, that was uh, really like yeah, in his Superman. Mm-hmm. 
Um, probably that movie that he did with Robert De Niro and uh, Val, no, uh, Edward Norton, The Score. Oh, I, I think was, that would have been his last the, movie. The Godfather? He wasn't actually in the movie with De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> the leading characters were based on real people. Terry Malloy was based on Longshoreman and Whistleblower. Anthony D. Vincenzo. Father Barry was based on Waterfront Priest John M. Corridan. John Friendly was based on mobster Albert Anastasia. Hmm. Anastasia. Anastasia. Yep. I did not realize that. I, I'd be curious to know the real story now. Yeah. Okay. So here's the uh here's one of my favorite fun facts ever. Um, and this is gonna be the basis of our next kind of discussion. On the waterfront is widely known to be an act of exp- expiation. E X P I A T I O N. Expiation. Yep. Mm-hmm. On the part of uh L.A. Kazan. Now to my knowledge, that word means what? To um, my knowledge, Mr. English Major, who went to college, who's in graduate school, apparently. I just liked your, an- I liked your answer. That, like, to my knowledge, that means, tell me, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like to like make amends for some for doing wrong. To apologize. Yeah, to Correct. apologize. To um, so so remember that. Yeah. This atone. movie... It's like to atone. This movie is as an act of atonement. It's Kazan's act of atonement? Yes. Oh, interesting. For naming names to the House Un-American Activities Commission oh. during, the, during the McCarthy witch hunts of the 1950s, what is less widely reported is that Kazan intended it as a direct attack at his former close friend, Arthur Miller, who had been openly critical of Kazan's actions. Specifically, it was a direct response to Miller's play, The Crucible. This entire thing is in contradiction with each other. That is... Because he named names. Yeah. Supposedly, this is his atonement, but also a direct attack on Arthur Miller's The Crucible, which is in its own an attack on the entire McCarthy hearings for being for being um McCarthy uh, hearings for, yeah. for essentially being Existing. a witch hunt. Yeah, that's right. And then if you in my mind when I think of this and I look at the movie mm-hmm. this isn't an apology. I don't care what anyone wants to think. This is an apology because the main character who's the good guy of the film names names against the union. Oh, but yeah. Mm-hmm. He's essentially like he's essentially bowing to the government to name names against this corrupt union and Kazan is essentially saying, "Look, Marlon Brando's me. I name names to the government to these corrupt people in Hollywood." This isn't an apology. Okay, I I agree I to to stimulate conversation, I will say I agree with you. Yeah. So I am actually I'm on your side for this, but to say I'm going to play the other side. Right. Marlon Brando. It's a the the movie is about doing the right thing, right? And so the right thing here is that he names that he, is names, he names names, names. He, that he names names. But I think if if cause what Kazan might be saying is that um the it's just about doing the right thing and maybe it happens to also be about naming names because <laughs> because then you would be saying that like because he's naming names to stop corruption 
And so, like, could it be about naming names like McCarthy to stop government corruption? Like, could you play it that? Could you play it that way? Well, yeah, but who are you going to name? I mean, well, I McCarthy mean, was running rampant, and no one really checked him. It wasn't like well, it was but, a secret. But, well, that's true, but but he did get checked, and then he died like four years later. Yeah, good. Yeah, but yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. So, um, so. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. That is not an and, apology. And the other weird it's thing almost is, like I'm justified because, well, I guess because if they're naming names because of communism. So if you see communism as the union, like we're all in this together, we're unionized communism. Which is a, which is, I'm not going to sit here and say union is communism. No, it's, but it's kind of similar. Like they they share they share similar things, like communism being. You know, the people are in this together. We all kind of share in the pie equally. Mm -hmm. And the union does a lot of that. Like, you start getting paid X amount of dollars right off the start. If you've been there for two years, you get this amount of dollars raised. Like, everyone's kind of even in the union based on the time they put in. Right. Yeah, if you, if, if you take away people and levels of corruption you just look at them as systems there right. it's about equality right, right? so um uh, and there was just there was a documentary that this year got nominated american factory and it won the academy award which also kind of tackles uh unions in factories um so but and the other thing that weirds me out is like you take that you take that fact there's also a fact that i didn't take because it was kind of in co contradiction Supposedly, Kazan also tried to get Miller to write this story. Interesting. And Miller was like, "Nah, I'm, I'm no, not doing that." Because it's like because if this was if if the Crucible was a video essay, yeah, was, this is like this is a like this is the retort is a retort. It's a right. response to the Crucible. That oh, I wish I knew that when I was teaching the Crucible because I would have paired them. Well, you there's always next year. I don't. Well, I don't teach the class that we use the Crucible, and it's not part of the curriculum and the classes that I teach anymore. So the, the Crucible should always be the curriculum in English. Class. I teach British literature since it, when? Since years ago. You don't listen when I talk. I try not to. It's so it's sad. very boring. It's so sad. <laughs> no, you don't teach British. You don't teach British literature. Yes, I because do. Because I've complained to you about not teaching. Um, I used to teach American literature. I I've complain to you about you not teaching um dickens and you're like well no because i teach american literature yeah i did but now i teach this was literally like three months ago it was not <laughs> yeah no because i teach british literature but i also i, I still don't teach dickens though you make me sad when, as a human being. when have you read a charles dickens book um there I've, you go he's he's teamed up with the muppets which nope. is enough for me no no, read a Charles Dickens book and then come tell me that I, I should teach. I don't teach got Charles time Dickens. to read anything. That's not true. Yeah, you spin in a chair on Tuesdays. You have time. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd get Audible, but I'm only allowed to have one Audible book at a time. That's it's for the birds. Oh, the credit. Yeah, you yeah. mean the one credit? You could increase the credits. No, it's already going to cost me like fifteen bucks a month for Audible. Which is more than I, which is more than I pay for all of the literature I buy throughout the entire year. Why don't you get Libby and get a library card? Because then you can get the audiobooks for free. They're not as good. Um, sometimes you have to end up waiting for them. But if you want to listen to Charles Dickens, you probably well. No, should. I want to listen to I want to listen to um, Stephen King. 
Oh, yeah, you have to wait for a lot of those. Yeah. Incidentally, Full Dark No Stars, very good. I would listen. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Um, I've listened to bits and pieces of The Shining, Misery. Um, I've listened to an entire thing of his short stories. The bits and pieces were because one of the people that I work with on Mondays uh, has been going through um, Stephen King books from his mm-hmm. Audible account. So when we have, like, we drive together for like an hour oh, I see. on Monday okay. to go pick up the books. Um, so he'll, he's like, do you mind if I play this? And, you're and like, I'm like, no, no, go ahead. Like, I'm not, like, I'm barely awake anyway, so. Yeah, play whatever you want. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, take your medicine. And you're like, I'm on board. What's yeah, like happening? He's been doing doctor s- like, he's been doing doctor sleep. Oh, I referenced um, it. That's good. So, sort of. yeah. yeah. Anyway, on the waterfront, this is the episode of Tangents, apparently. Um, on the, on, <laughs> on the waterfront. Yeah. I think. Man, I'm still I'm still reeling with the the, the I, like I said, thing. I loved that fun fact. And I sat there going, I think I saw that fun fact while I was watching the movie, which made me even go. But everything I know about the McCarthy hearings and everything I'm getting from this movie is like, see, I was right. Yeah, I think just at a cursory glance, you could say do the right thing and he would say like so like brando doesn't do the right thing for so long right and then he decides to do the right thing and that's and where then you everybody could, dies and then right and then he's so like see if i would have done the right thing my brother so, would have died so, carl malden would have died so, so i think that i think that he could say like if if he's brando you could say that i didn't do the right thing for a long time and and now i'm doing the right thing <laughs> But but because it's the name names thing, yep. it feels like the <laughs> inverse of that. Now I'm doing the right thing. I'm gonna stand up to the McCarthy hearings uh, that went away like four years ago. Ah well, well I tried. I tried. <laughs> I tried. Comic book still a thing. Oh, <laughs> you know. Anyway, yeah. Um, Frederick Wortham's still doing his thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out. All right. So um, so th- those are th- those are all your those were. All I your really facts. loved this book. Um. Uh, seduction of the innocent. Yeah. Like this guy has some really good yeah, ideas like about comic books and how they're ruining America. <laughs> Actually, we thought he was baloney. Shoot, <laughs> I'm just on the wrong side of history. Kazan out. <laughs> what about this? What about this Hitler fellow? No. Oh, that was ten years ago. Oh no. What year am I in? <laughs> you said Hitler, and I was typing. I was typing into Google for something. Yeah. And I wrote politics instead of picture. <laughs> anyway. Doesn't matter. Are you ready for the rewindies? Yes. Excellent. Okay. So actually, before we do the rewindies, I want to switch this up a little bit. I want to say what's coming next episode, and then we'll do the rewindies, like a little commercial for Academy Rewind. For those, uh, for those just joining us, the rewindies are our own kind of awards. the The winners are kept by our accounting firm of Cat and Cat, mm. who just basically, <laughs> who just basically bat the winners underneath the That's sofa. Right. Cat and Cat. Yep. <laughs> Um, so so uh, let's do what's coming up next episode, and then we'll do the rewindies. Yes, what is coming up next episode? Wilson, Gaslight, Double Indemnity. Gaslight? Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Double Indemnity, which is an excellent movie. Okay. Uh, I have seen it before. I'm looking forward to watching it again. Uh, Going My Way, in which Bing Crosby plays our favorite priest. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those movies got nominated? Yep. Nice. Uh, and Since You Were Away. Since You've Been Gone. So I've seen Double Indemnity. Gaslight is one of those like you should watch it on it's on every movie list you should watch before you is die. It? like yeah okay Gaslight's... I mean I know like the the um the essentially 
the term gaslight mm-hmm. is in the is in the current vernacular, um, is in the is in the pop culture zeitgeist, and it stems from this movie, right? Like, uh, actually, I don't is... know. Well, here I can tell you what the um, I'll tell you what the I'll tell you what the plot is, and then you can tell me. Well, uh, I know it stem like I know the plot of the movie, but I just didn't know if Gaslight was like based on a book. Based on the book Gaslight by Patrick Hamilton. All right. So, so but this is where that term comes from. After the death of her famous opera singing aunt, Paula is sent to study in Italy to become a great opera singer as well. While there, she falls in love with a charming Gregory Anton. The two return to London, and Polly begins to notice strange goings-on, missing pictures, strange footsteps in the night, and gaslights that dim without being touched. As she fights to retain her sanity, her new husband's intentions become into question. Yeah. This, like, this is where that term comes from. I am uh, 99.9% positive. Never seen the movie, never read the book. So if it turns out to be, like, a 1940s ghost story, then I'm like, oh, man, I swung and missed. Yeah, it's not. But I took a... It's not. Father O'Malley, that's the name of Bing Crosby's priest. <laughs> anyway, okay, so uh, those are the movies coming next time. So here are the rewindies, I will ask. Also, I'm surprised that um, the 40s nominated a Best Picture movie about a volleyball. Wilson. Wilson. Yep. <laughs> you had the most dumbfounded look, and it... it <laughs> I think we have to start recording these sessions now the, the, with video. The, the going, <laughs> going. My, I literally because I had moved off from the page, so I was like <laughs> tracking the movies from right to left, and the ones that I had read, and Wilson was the last one, and I was like, "Don't no, that doesn't make sense. No, that doesn't make sense. Oh man, I'm losing it. Oh. All right. So anyway, best actor. Who do you think should should go to? Their windy goes to. Um. I would give it to Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey a Bogart. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I'm giving it to Bing Crosby. Understandable. Yeah. I think Brando was excellent, and des- uh, you could say he deserves his award, but I've seen Brando because we're, we're doing this. We've seen, like, yeah, we've seen Brando in better things. I've seen Brando be better, so yeah. I'm going backwards, but I've never seen Brando. We don't, Crosby we don't have to do the makeup award. No, right, exactly. Because we did it the first time. That is correct. We did it right the first time, Academy. That's right. So we're just doing what we want. Uh, best actress. Even Marie Saint. I'm going to give it to Grace Kelly. Uh, supporting actor. I would give it to William Holden. William, I almost gave it to William Holden. I was so close, and I went with Carl Malden instead. I, I would have, I, yeah. Yeah, because he was great. Uh, supporting actress. Grace Kelly. Ava Marie Saint. What is it? Mar- Maria Saint. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we did a nice job there. Cinematography. Three coins in the fountain. I agree. Three coins in the fountain. Special effects. Three coins in the fountain. Kane mutiny. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, sometimes they don't fit very well. Uh, production design. Mm-hmm. Seven brides for seven brothers. I oh, I was so close to. I was so. I close. would also be fine with three coins in a fountain. Um, I went with on the waterfront actually because everything yeah, okay. was built in to, yeah, to be atmospheric. Was it, was it actually built though? Because that might have just been shot on a waterfront. Well, it was great either way. <laughs> uh, best music. Three coins in the fountain. Seven brides for seven brides. <laughs> I really like that opening song. I'm I'm taking music to be the melodical soundtrack, and not like song. Okay, that was yeah the underscore. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because that's essentially what the category would be at the Oscars. Sure, seven brides for seven brothers won though. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, well, I, I'm just going with what Why I. Why did with. they not give it to Leonard Bernstein? I don't know because they didn't have to make up an award. <laughs> uh. Uh, best editing. 
Uh, K-Mutiny. Okay. On the Waterfront? Best writing? Definitely not On the Waterfront. Um, Probably K-Mutiny. Okay. I'm going to give it to On the Waterfront. Yep. And Best Picture? Uh, Three Coins in the Fountain. Twist. (laughs) (laughs) I would give it to K-Mutiny. I'm going to give it to On the Waterfront. Okay. Yeah, especially knowing that other thing yeah. now. No, because that, yeah. I mean, they, if that was the point, they did its job horribly. Yeah, again, I think like the sum of its part, like again, is that like it, the sum of its parts are the best. It's ti- it's it's timeless. It's you yeah. know, it's all these things. It's I like, would if I had to like if I put them in order, I would go Kane Mutiny, then I would go um, the uh, Country Girl, mm. Three Coins in a Fountain. On the waterfront, seven brides. Yeah, that like I, I liked the story of of the three coins in a fountain. I just wish they'd been a little bit more focused. Sure, sure. For a movie under two hours, it yeah. needed some focusing. Yeah. Well, that's anyway. That's that's us. You can find Palmer at Academy Rewind on Twitter and myself at PG thirteen. You can email us at Academy Rewind at gmail dot com. But I, <laughs> I request you, you could. You're not gonna. You'd be shouting into the void at that point. You though. truly will. We have it because I made one. I guess. Yeah, you made one way back when. Honestly, because I could stop telling people about it even. You really could, but that it's uh, it's kind of like the fortnightly thing. At this point, it's just incorporated as the running joke. That's right, because it's really this podcast comes out every three weeks. It doesn't yeah. come out fortnightly. Um, fortnightly plus one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think what it was is because the other the other podcast you've done or do still, mm-hmm. you've incorporated the emails. Yes, that's right. And here we're like. T- we're like a two-hour podcast to begin with. We don't have time to read emails. I no, I have to watch the movies. I don't have time to read <laughs> emails. So, um, so anyway, so that's us, uh, which is great because they're playing us off. No, I have so many more people to thank. Oh, too bad. Bye. Bye.